Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Peace and grace, WCC. We're going to be in Leviticus. We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 4. This is a, a chapter I've been looking forward to. It's one I've wanted us to, to spend time considering. We're going to be looking at two more purification offerings between this time together and next time I'm at the pulpit. We'll be looking at the sin offering which is in chapter 4, verse 1 through chapter 5, 13. And we're not going to go that far today. Um, a little bit ago, was it yesterday, I think, or sometime this, earlier this week, um, Josh asked, you know, what's the length of the sermon? I thought, chapter 4 all the way to five thirteen. And I thought, there's no way we're going to do all that. So the sinner offering is found in 4, 1 through five thirteen, And then we find a guilt offering that is in five fourteen and through chapter 6, verse 7. Uh, with our place being in Leviticus 4 this morning, we will see how God's covenant people are to follow in faith and trust Yahweh's instructions for addressing sin. Let's go ahead and begin. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally in any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done and commits any of them, if the anointed priest sins so as to bring guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord a bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He shall bring the bull to the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the bull and slay the bull before the Lord." Then the anointed priest is to take some of the blood of the bull and bring it to the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. The priest shall also put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense, which is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. And all the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the doorway of the tent of meeting." He shall remove it from all the fat of the bull of the sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, which is on the loins and the lobe of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys, just as it is removed from the ox of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest is to offer them in smoke on the altar of burnt offering. But the hide of the bull and all the flesh with its head and its legs and its entrails and its refuse, that is, all the rest of the bull, he is to bring out of a clean place outside the camp where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. Now if the whole congregation of Israel commits error and the matter escapes the notice of the assembly, they commit any of these things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, And they become guilty. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a bull of the herd for a sin offering and bring it before the tent of meeting. 
Then the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be slain before the Lord. Then the anointed priest is to bring some of the blood of the bull to the tent of meeting, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. He shall, he shall put some of the blood on the horn of the altar, which is before the Lord in the tent of meeting, and all the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He shall remove all its fat from it and offer it up and smoke on the altar. He shall also do it with the bull, just as he did with the bull of the sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and they will be forgiven. Then he is to bring out the bull to a place outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. When a leader sins and unintentionally does any one of the things which the Lord his God has commanded not to be done, and he becomes guilty of his sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a male without defect. He shall lay his hand on the head of the male goat and slay it in the place where they slay the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest is to take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horn of the altar of burnt offering. And the rest of its blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. All its fat he shall offer up in smoke on the altar as, it, as is the case of the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him in regard to his sin and he will be forgiven. Now if, anyone on the con- now, if anyone of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done and becomes guilty, if his sin which he has committed is made known to him, then he shall bring his offering, a goat, a female without defect, for his sin which he has committed. He shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of its blood with its finger and put it on the horn of the altar of burnt offering, and all the rest of its blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar. Then he shall remove all its fat, just as the fat was removed from the sacrifice of peace offering, and the priest shall offer it up in smoke on the altar for a soothing aroma to the Lord. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he will be forgiven. We will stop here. This is the word of the Lord. The reason why I stopped there is we've already seen some repetition, and I imagine it's a little overwhelming. It's very quiet while I read. Children, I don't know how you pulled that off. Maybe someone fell asleep. Um, but we see a, a repetition uh, for individual offerings. That's the last section of this. So this is very repetitive, and this serves Israel very well. This is the law. And you want the law to be spelled out very clearly. And whenever there is a change, you want to be as clear as possible because you do not want to offend God and you want to worship him rightly. Now for us, this is very challenging in its repetition. Just like we said previously as approaching this book, it's very difficult because we approach God very, very differently. But it's to their benefit. And as a reminder, this is the first book a young Hebrew boy would learn. So it's simple. For us, it might sound really overwhelming with its repetition. But for young ears and minds, it is extremely beneficial. 
And it's also helpful that it's repetitious because this is to be performed before God rightly. And if it's not done rightly, you offend your Redeemer, your Savior, your King, and your Judge. So we do have some some overlap here. I want to show, share a little bit of the outline that we find. Um, we will see that first God reveals himself to Moses again. And then we have instructions for the high priest. Then we have instructions for the congregation. Then we have instructions for individuals. And if individuals have a sheep or a goat. And this is how the chapter is, is set apart. At the very beginning of this chapter, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. That is the introduction to Leviticus. Those, that's, that's exactly what is said at chapter 1. We come to chapter 4, and the Lord interrupts things. He highlights this once again to Moses. Okay, I have shown you about the burnt offering, the peace offering, the grain offering. Now we are coming to the sin offering. And I want to just mark this with distinction here. So he gives it special designation. Also, What's really important and interesting, and I've come across this first from David Cannon and then commentaries later, so we have a scholar among us. God is mentioning to the people what is on the mind and heart of the Lord. And they are, they are given instruction of what God requires of them and the law. In ancient times, very ancient times, Babylonian, Akkadian, their kings were the recipients of God. And when they gave instruction, it was from the divine above. Sometimes a king would be very generous and put his law on tablets and on stone. And it would be posted and the people could read it. But with the king being the one to receive God directly, guess who the law usually favored? And guess who had ultimate power? And guess who had basically no accountability? God speaks to his servant Moses, who was previously a shepherd. He was more than that, but he got demoted to shepherd for a while. And he says, I want this slave people who I have redeemed to know how priests and elders and the nation are to find approval and acceptance, forgiveness, relationship with me. We find at the very beginning of this, the Lord wants his people to have access to him. We also find in verse 2, if a person sins unintentionally, that's interesting, unintentional sin. I, I committed so many of those, and the one that's highlighted today is worn on my son's eye. So if you've seen Zion this morning, you see the whelp on his eye. We had to have his wound glued yesterday. 
picked him up off the bed to bring him for lunch. Did it the wrong way, missed his shoulder while picking it up. His head went right on the bed and it, it just popped. I'm not going to get any more graphic than that so I or you don't, don't pass out. Um, was it intentional? No. Am I still guilty of it? I am. But there's also sins that we, we commit before God that we're not aware of. And the Spirit will also gently show you things you had no clue was a pattern of your life as you're faithfully pursuing God through his word and growing in holiness. You'll come across things you had no clue you've walked with all your life or you just did last week or something you've decided to, a new pattern you started developing. What do we do with these unintentional sins? I, want, I, I know I've read a lot of Leviticus 4, and I have a prayer I want to read to you. So be patient. Um, this comes from an ancient Akkadian prayer. This was translated by Dr. Charles Halton, a, a professor I once knew. Uh, l- listen to the desperation of this prayer from someone from probably 2,000 or more years ago. O oh Lord, my wrongs are many, great are my sins. O oh my God, my wrongs are many, great are my sins. O oh my Goddess, my wrongs, how many, great are my sins. O oh, whichever God, my wrongs are many, great are my sins. O oh, whichever Goddess, my wrongs are many, great are my sins. The wrong which I did, I do not know. The sins which I committed, I do not know. The taboo which I broke, I do not know. The bounds I crossed, I do not know. A Lord growled at me in the rage of his heart. A God has made me confront the anger of his heart. A goddess has become angry with me and has made me sick. Whichever God has caused me to burn, whichever goddess has set down affliction upon me, I would constantly seek for help, but no one would help me. I cried, but you did not approach me. I would give a lament but no one would hear me. I am distressed. I am alone. I cannot see. I search constantly for mercy. I utter a petition. I kiss the feet of my goddess. I keep crawling before you. To whichever God return to me, I implore you. To whichever goddess return to me, I implore you. There's more to this prayer. And I thought that was enough for today. Imagine knowing your sin and being confronted with it and having no clue how to save yourself. Not knowing what to do in your sin. There's no hope. There's no grace. There's no future. Who cares about tomorrow? It might bring the grave. I have no solution today. Now, in our modern day, we don't don't look at sin in this way. Most of us don't. And hear me with gentle ears here, okay? In our modern age, we have diseases. We have disorders surrounding circumstances, ancestral traits, systematic oppression. We might have guilt, but we don't have sin. 
you know, what happened yesterday was an accident with my son. It's not sinful. The inherited anger or rage I might have, I'm guilty of it, but I'm, I'm human. It's inherited. I have become a victim to a predator, either a specific person or to some system. And, and, and how I've developed in my distorted way or the way in which I react is only natural. It's only natural. So there's, there's no sin in this situation. It, it, it's just a broken world. I'm a broken slash innocent slash natural person. Beloved, I don't want to say the way you are today is because you just willfully said, I want to be awful. Okay, so let's lighten the tone a little bit, okay? Um, some of the things that I do was learned by example. Absolutely, but I don't divorce myself of my own responsibility. There might be things in your life that, that need further assistance, and I don't want to shame you or put you in a corner or minimize the grief and the trial that you live in. But these are results of sin. I see many Christians in the context of I work in a hospital that are in a bed wondering, why am I here? The simple Sunday school answer, sin. Unintentional and intentional sin. We're born broken. This world weeps and longs for a new heaven and a new earth. God is gracious to these people and he gives them instructions on how they are to remain in fellowship with him even when they commit unintentional sins. Do you see how inviting God is? Next time we're here, we're going to see some intentional sins, things you knew you did, but there's also grace for the unintentional so we learn about the high priest in verse 3 through 12. And we've read so much and so much of it is repetitive. I want to just point out some of the things that we see kind of in bullet point fashion. Uh, we know that it's customary to bring a sacrifice and place your hand on that beast to identify yourself with that being. The high priest brings a bull. Notice the high priest is the first person mentioned in this what makes the high priest the high priest is this priest has been anointed with sanctified oil he has been separated he serves as very much a picture of a little messiah not jesus christ the messiah but the high priest was the official that made representation he served as a mediator and what's sad is this mediator who was prayed for and anointed, who the congregation placed hands on, who was loved and respected and known, is able to commit sin. What a sad system. But it points to something greater. 
He takes a bowl, he places his hand on it. It's slain. And then we are told that there are some things to happen with the blood in verse 5 and 7. They are to sprinkle and pour out this blood. Seven times the high priest goes inside the tabernacle. He's no longer outside in the courts. He goes inside and with his finger he flicks the veil seven times. This communicates the sin that I have committed has stained the house of the Lord. Therefore, I must enter with caution and bring blood. Now, God's not guilty of any sin. It's, it's come to his camp, it's come to his home, but, but he is innocent. A great picture would be, say, you have parents and a daughter or a son has done something shameful in their rebellion. And now that guilt is placed upon not only that, that youth or that young adult, but also the family name. God takes his name serious. From that, we find that also then the high priest takes blood and he pours it on the base of the altar of incense. After this, in verse 8 and 10, we find that very much of it is similar to a peace offering. So there's still some similarity here. There is this desire to bring reconciliation and and fellowship. So like we saw uh, last time I was up here, the innards are, are, are separated, the fat, the lobes, all those fun little internal things, uh, they are set on fire. What is different, what we find in verse 11 and 12, is that the rest of the carcass, the meat, the skin, the, the, the prize of this offering is not consumed. We saw in the peace offering that it was a time of fellowship where God invites priest and offerer to celebrate and to dine with him, to take part in the meat. But here, the priest is not going to benefit off of his own sin. He can't just say, you know what, I know I've done intentional sin and I'm hungry today. Let me go ahead and kill this bull, do the things I have to do with the blood and the kidneys and the lobes and all that, and then enjoy prime rib. No, the high priest takes this animal outside of the camp. It's pretty public. You can't hide the bull. And it's burned in a place that has been sanctified, a place that is clean. Most likely, this is where some of the ashes from other offerings have been placed. It wasn't just flung into the wilderness, but it was done so in an area of intentionality. We find in verse 13 through 21 what the whole congregation is to do if they commit unknown sins. So so how could the congregation commit unknown sins? An easy way is poor leadership from the high priests or the priests. There are calendars and specific things to do on certain days of the year. There's orders, there's weight. 
God is particular in his law. It's his law. Laws should be particular and not vague for our benefit. But if the whole congregation sins before God, there are some instructions for them. Instead of a bull, they offer a male goat. And we see a lot of the same details here, except for there are the elders that place their hand on this goat. So it's not just the high priest that bears his responsibility, but it is the leaders. That's why there's leadership for accountability, for an extra eye. Then the priest will place the blood on the whole the horn of the burnt offering and pour the blood on the base of the altar of incense and a sacrifice for the common people will be made. And the next section that we find is the leader, verse 22 through verse 26. And we find a lot of the repeat, but here we do not find them returning to the altar of incense here. What we find is that they are able to, I'm sorry, which one am I at? In my dyslexia, I wrestle, I, I, I apologize, leaders and sacrifice. Thank you, thank you. So here they are given two options we find in verses 28 and, oh, Beloved, I am so sorry. I've missed one. I know I have. I'm going to have to leave my notes for a moment. It's funny how repetition can do that. <laughs> you would think I'd be a natural at this book. We find a consistency here is what it boils down to. And the reason why this is not common for me is because this is not how I approach God. The common people were given a different option. They could use a female, male, or goat for intentional sin. This would not be as much of a financial burden on them or a weight. And it emphasized the importance of leadership. The Bible speaks a lot about leadership and how that those who we seek to ordain, those who we ask to shepherd the flock... Be one of great reputation. Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. James warns and says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such you will incur a strict judgment. At, at WCC, we encourage our people to be involved. When we sit down for leadership, we ask what gifts you have, what talents you have, what do you like doing. We want to see that you are engaged because we really don't like the idea of you just being our participant. We don't have experts here at WCC. We don't want to become just something that competes with cable. We want to be something completely different. We want to be family. 
And there's sometimes this enticement of, I want to be just like so-and-so. And we start comparing, or, or we're curious about, maybe I could be a pastor, or maybe I could be a deacon, or maybe I could be, and just fill in the blank. Those are good things. But leaders are held to a higher standard. Jesus speaks about this, and it says, if you cause any little one to stumble, it's better if a millstone be tied around your neck and you throw, be thrown into the deep. The people of Israel hear that the high priest can sin, and there must be a sacrifice made for his unintentional sin. Jesus also taught, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrust much, to him they will ask all the more. So fellow elders who I love, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for that when I fall short, I can trust in you to encourage me and to bring me back. I'm thankful that you all are approachable. Whenever there's things that I see that I think could, we could do better or we need to let go of, you have a humble heart about yourself. And, and WCC, in love, I want you to approach us elders. I'm so thankful there's four of us. In love, I want you to be able to tell us, hey, I love you. And I want best for you. How are you in this area? Or could you pray and consider over this, this matter? We're not supposed to be above reproach. We're supposed to be approachable. We're supposed to have a good reputation, not even in here, but out in the community. We're to have a good testimony about ourselves. Now, as, I, as we think about our own atonement, how we are to deal with our sins, like, like we've said several times in, in Leviticus, it's so much different. And in the best of ways. If, if you're waiting for forgiveness to be offered through one of your elders, there is no hope for you. If you're, if you're waiting for forgiveness from some different potion or some different element under the sun, beloved, you're missing the mark of what the high priest pointed to. We have a weekly practice here, which is beautiful. It's where we have a time of confession. This is simply where we bring to mind the things we have done intentionally or we consider unintentional sin, and we ask that God would forgive us. When Christ came on the cross, he died for all, all of our sins. But beloved, don't think you graduate from the gospel to where now you don't need that. We are being preserved through the blood of Christ. Here, they are covered for a moment. They're not washed through radically. They are covered for a moment so that they may have fellowship and be at peace and be pure for a moment. Paul says in Romans 8 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8 points out several things about Christ. He became sin. He became that offering, that high priestly offering. He's not just the high priest. He's the high priestly offering. On the high priest end, Jesus never sinned unintentionally. Uh, not just intentionally, but unintentionally. When, when, I, when I think about navigating those two distinctions, I think about those innocent conversations we have with a spouse where we say words, but there's a certain tone that's used. So when you're interrogated about what you just said, then you can flip the tone and you're guilty and you're innocent, right? You know those conversations if you're married or if you're a child. It was unintentional to to aggravate you while I used that tone and that look and that posture. It was unintentional. Let me now look innocent and say the same thing to make you the bad guy. That's intentional sin. But unintentional sin. Christ did not commit. That's a high priest I want to have confidence in. How was he the, the, the sin offering from a high priest? Well, he was taken outside the city gates. His body was dragged outside the city gates. And he was crushed. Where was God in all of this? When it was finished, he tore that veil that was split with blood seven times. He tore it. Now communicating, I dwell with man. Not through a mediator. Not through an Old Testament high priest. The ultimate sacrifice has been given and now I dwell with my people through the law of the spirit of the life of Christ. The apostle Paul boils it down very easily in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. thinking about all the intentionality that is needed for unintentional sin. I want you to be intentional in your thinking. How great and precious is our salvation in Jesus. And how beautiful the book of Leviticus is, showing us how costly it was for them to be before God. A constant slaying of a bull. Constant movements and ceremony counting animal after animal, house after house. It was an extreme labor. 
Think about the labor of Christ, living a perfect life, a sinless life, and bearing the responsibility as priest and as offering. And rejoice in what he has accomplished for your sake, if you would believe. It's bound. True and living God, I confess that I am still so far removed from the days of old where your people entered this tent. I'm thankful that instead we come to you through the name of Jesus. I thank you that he lived a perfect life in my stead. I thank you that he did not remain dead, but that he rose victorious and that he will come for us again. Father, if there, if there are those of us that seek to minimize our sin or are not conscious of our sin and feel like they are not in need of atonement, Spirit, may you speak to them today. May today be the day of salvation for them. It's in Christ we pray. Amen.